Hi, and welcome to This Week in Sustainability, uh, where we make sense of sustainability and the news uh, for everyone. I'm your host, Mark D'Souza Shields, and this week I am live from the Philippines. If you've been traveling recently, the coronavirus has made it impossible not to reflect on the incredible connectivity we have in this world, we share in this world. We are indeed vitally connected to one another, which is kind of ironic in an age of increasing atomization of tribes by opinion. Yet we are co-joined by many millions of ways through social events, commerce, and of course an insatiable curiosity that leads us to travel to the four corners of the world. Uh, Last week I uh, recorded in Manila. I was out here on a mission for a client Now fast forward a few days out of Manila, uh, I was visiting a small chocolate processing plant in Tacloban. Actually, it was a a tiny processing plant. It was owned by Sir Willie, who would buy the cocoa or cacao uh, from farmers in the local area. The cacao had been reintroduced into the area near Tacloban City on the island of late recently in the aftermath of the 2013 typhoon Yolanda which had knocked down many millions of coconut trees then and still now one of the economic mainstays for many small holding farmers farmers with one two three five ten acres and that's what they have to make their living with now Sir Willie started making artisan tabla in his late 60s. Tabla is uh, sort of like a chocolate. It's a small round bar or disc of pure cocoa, which the Filipinos use to make a rich, oh, <laughs> it's very rich chocolate drink. It kind of just attacks your tongue with straight up 100% cocoa or cacao as they call it here. And after seeing his modest processing facilities, uh, Sir Willie uh, kindly invited us uh, for refreshments and a drink of chocolate. Now, alongside the chocolate he served up uh, in dainty teacups were some small tubular snacks rolled in green banana leaves that looked like very long, thin, steamed cigars. <gasps> tamales, I thought. Well, you all know I'm from Mexico, right? Except, of course, they weren't tamales. They looked a lot like them, thinner, but still like tamales. No corn, but uh, sticky rice inside. And instead of laden with hot chili sauce and chicken or pork or what have you, you got rice sticks the diameter of your of a thick finger for dunking into the chocolate. Not tamales, but pretty excellent. Now, many people know that Mexico and the Philippines have a long shared connection through the Spanish conquest of both of these countries you know, five, six hundred years ago. Uh, and you hear it in the common names of Juan, Maria, Garcia, Lopez, or in the names of places like San Francisco, for example, or in shared foods, both similar and exactly like the roasted pig dish, lechon. You also see it in some of the architecture, particularly the age-old Catholic churches, the cathedrals in particular, and in the chaotically happy large and close Filipino families. It's pretty incredible, the similarities with many Mexican families. There's a lot to celebrate in the shared history, the connections, the history which uh, began when Magellan ran uh, on shore in the Philippines uh, some 500 years ago. 
These are century-old connections. It's my hope that these types of connections, the good types of connections between people that draw us together, are, are only going to get thicker, richer. And it's going to allow Mexican, Filipinos, Chinese, Australian, Finnish people, African, people from every continent and country in the world, every spiritual background, to overcome the terrible forces of division that seem to be among us these days. Because when you think about it, ultimately it will be social connections that save us from the worst outcomes of climate change, biodiversity loss, and inequality. It's what will make us sustainable if we can learn to live and work together. Now, the natural connections or those that bind us through a shared ecology are agnostic as to whether we get along and work together to solve our common problems, if they're local or global. The coronavirus, our common, current common global challenge, seems just, well, simply doesn't care who you are, who we are, how we pray, or how we live together. It will affect us. Yet the potential damage it could do, the deaths it will cause, will be the result of exactly how well we come together to save ourselves. I have no doubt this is just a dress rehearsal for the coming impacts of climate change. Now, some will tell us that the coronavirus is actually the result of climate change. As temperatures change in temperate zones, this allows for new viruses to develop, uh, exposing our immune systems to things and pathogens we just haven't even uh, evolved to take on. I'm not sure. I haven't had a chance to look it up. But I do know this. Mother Nature will punish any species for overreach for self-centered greed, for taking more resources than can be replaced. Something uh, we humans are very good at. When is overreach day? I think it's uh, in August now, a little, little less than halfway through the year. Anyways, humans have been trying to conquer Mother Nature for many, many centuries. In, in fact, we codified it in some interpretations of spiritual teachings. Uh, now we're just simply in denial about her far greater strength than ours. She will prevail. That is certainly true. Now, I have concluded that connectivity, be it social or natural, is most certainly a net zero-sum dynamic. If you pull too hard one way, say over grazing a prairie or over damming a river, uh, this will simply deny others somewhere else in our shared ecology, human or other species, their necessary share. As animals, we adapt, uh, we move on, or we rise up and fight to get our share. Take too much and suffer the consequences. It's pretty simple, pretty simple math. Ultimately, Mother Nature redeems the damage done through restoration, or yes, by punishing the offending species. It kind of all sounds so biblical, doesn't it? Mother Nature punishing offenders. But why not? The laws of nature are immutable and indelibly written on all life. It's indelible uh, as the lonely flower pushing up through the unused concrete. Many millions of spiritual leaders, moral leaders, community leaders, writers, author, poets, politicians, activists, and just plain ordinary people like yourself and myself the world round. We've kind of known this fact, this connection with nature and the power of nature. The global coronavirus outbreak we are experiencing now will teach us much about the strengths and the lessons global connectivity can teach us if we choose to learn. 
Uh, uh, I fear we may not. Or at least not in time to reintegrate the human species back into nature instead of trying to conquer nature. Well, all this can make you sad or afraid. But I know this. If each and every one of us could sit with Sir Willie and share his seven-year young enterprising dream to make people happy with his chocolate, we would most certainly welcome the lessons of connectivity and all the good things we can do with that understanding. Uh, thanks and love to all of you from This Week in Sustainability. Uh, if you have some news we've missed, let, uh, let us know in the comments section or by signing up for the weekly uh, The Sustainable Century updates. And remember to click or subscribe and pass the pod and vid or blog along. Uh, you want to join the tribe of investors urging dramatic action on climate crisis, social justice, and equality? Well, get a copy of my book, Invest Like You Give a Damn. Drop me a line if you have any questions or thoughts about it. Well, that's it for this week. I'm Mark D'Souza Shields, your host for This Week in Sustainability. If you want more information on all things sustainable, check out the sustainablecentury.net pods, vids, blogs, and more. And remember, it's up to you. It's up to us to make this the Sustainable Century. Have a great weekend. Thank you.